We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Honest, I would put myself in the same category with D-Wade. Now our test is jumped over the scorer's table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, October 31st. Nick Whalen here with Alex Barutha. Uh, we are sponsored, as always, by FanDuel. We're sponsored by SeatGeek as well. We picked up a second sponsor, second nice. week of the season. Uh, hopefully this continues, and by week like 14, we have 14 sponsors. Uh, but for now, just FanDuel and SeatGeek. Make sure you check both of those out. Um, first of all, it is Halloween. Uh, nobody in the Rotowire office dressed up, thankfully. I didn't even consider it, frankly. My, my girlfriend texted me this morning a photo of like, her entire office of like 40 plus people, every single person dressed up. They had a costume contest. Like, could you imagine if somebody even tried to organize that here? I don't think anybody even wore like a jersey to <laughs> no. the office today as like a try to, you know, shoot the gap. No, no effort a whatsoever. And a, yeah. I love that. Nobody, like I said, no one sent out even an email about it. It was just understood that nobody here is interested in dressing up. And I really, <laughs> really appreciate that. Are you dressing up at all this weekend? Did you dress up last weekend? 
No, uh, my girlfriend is out of town, so oh, I'm not going so to any lucky. parties or anything. <laughs> I was going to be watching basketball uh, pretty much the entire time. You didn't make it downtown for the Lil Yachty concert as part of was Madison Free Fest? He was. He was, he he was the, the headliner at, that's at the annual Madison. Get, right, that's what I thought, too. Theoretically. Better than the last couple of years, at least. Um, yeah, I, I went as date Mike from The Office last oh, weekend, nice. which turned out all right. I was able to go to a bar late at night and wait for the bartender to turn around so I could jump up on the pool table and play the pool stick like a guitar. So that was <laughs> that was kind of the big highlight. But most people, unless you're a big fan of The Office, because that's really a one episode thing. Like yeah. a lot of people just ask me like, because I was carrying a pool stick around the whole night. Like, oh, are you a professional billiards player? <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. I love billiards. Um, so I, had to, I ended up putting on a name tag to, to kind of act as a giveaway. Okay. Anyway, we had... Probably the best NBA fight that I can remember in a while last yeah. night. Um, at least the the fight itself plus the aftermath. Maybe maybe the best since Mouse at the Palace. I mean, we've had some some guys kind of swing at each other. Like Serge Ibaka seems like he's been wrapped up in a few of these. Robin Very Lopez true. over the years. Um, but rarely is it two guys who are as prominent as Carl Anthony Towns, who's been arguably the best individual player in the league so far. And Joel Embiid, who ranks very high on the list of guys you would not want to fight. Ben Simmons got in on it. Um, but for the most part, kind of a three-man fight. You know, no one, no one from the Timberwolves really seemed interested in helping anyone out. Uh, Jeff Teague, if anything, was, was kind of trying to calm Embiid down, not his own guy. Um, I mean, it, by now, you've, I'm sure you've seen all the angles and, and everything. I think the best part overall was Embiid, knowing he's going to get kicked out, hyping up the crowd, and yeah. shadowboxing on his way to the locker room. <laughs> Um, and then of course, you know, the battle spills over to, to Instagram and Twitter afterwards. I come away from this just feeling really bad for Carl Anthony Towns overall. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was rough. He, he was put in a chokehold by Ben Simmons while on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, although that's, I, I would give anything for Ben Simmons to be mic'd up because you could, he was saying something to him as he was choking him. Right. I mean, the NBA has all that, uh, they do. to break into the league office. Yeah steal all that audio uh but yeah this is i it's kind of a it's just it's not a good look for anybody necessarily i would debate you on that i think the league the league and the teams will publicly decry this you know they will obviously they can't support this we don't know what the suspensions are yet maybe they'll get announced while we're doing this podcast there's a decent chance of that i mean i'm guessing at least three games for Embiid in towns maybe more i mean this was I mean, there were, there weren't any actual punches, but this was about as as bad as it gets, I guess, without it spilling over like into the crowd, which is a completely different level. Um, and you know, I, I think even the the social media stuff alone, you know, might may, might add to it. Like you know, that I mean, that could be punishable. We haven't really seen any anybody go at it like this much, um, you know. But I, I think in the end, at the end, like the NBA has to say we we don't support this, we don't condone this, but. I mean, this is what everyone was talking about. I, I think the league doesn't want two of its premier guys fighting, but nobody got hurt. And I, I think in some ways, like it, it, the, the buzz jet it, that it generates almost in some ways offsets like the negativity of the, the core act, which was, you know, an on-court battle. Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, I would prefer like more rivalries in the NBA, like player to player, yes, right. um, team to team. I think the NBA compared to other sports, especially football, lacks that. Mm-hmm. um you know because a lot of teams are like i think sports in general i mean football i think is kind of going through that as well like what's what's the biggest rivalry in football right now it seems like it changes you know every Bears three or four years always default um and that might be the <clears> one that i think has the most like it actually doesn't matter what the team's records yes are. true i don't think you know like celtics lakers used to be a rivalry and now i 
legitimately would not even consider. Yeah. It. Like you, that's not even something you would see hyped up on ESPN right. any, anymore. Well, I think with the player movement, you know, rivalries come and go based on who's on what team, not what, not which teams are playing. Like, yes. you know, Warriors Cavs was a, a great rivalry for a few years. They played on Christmas, what, three years in a row. They played in the finals. Warriors Cavs means absolutely nothing now. Right. That would have been a that, that, that that's the downside of player movement is that you're never going team rivalries are gone. Um, but player rivalries are, you know, are just as alive as ever. Right. I, I agree with that. I think if there was one criticism of people who, you know, are in support of, of more rivalries, I think it's that there were a lot of, you know, on-court rivalries that then as soon as the game is over, these guys go back to being friends, which <laughs> right. I, I mean, I don't mind that. I think most people probably don't mind that, but I think there are a lot of old school people who don't want opponents to be friends. And this seems like a situation where, you know, this was not a social media stunt or anything like that. I, I mean, I, I think Joel Embiid does not respect Carl Anthony Towns as a player. I think Towns probably feels the same way. Um, but it, it certainly does seem like Embiid got the best of him. I, I know some people will probably see the tweets and the, and the Instagram messages as maybe a little bit over the top. But, I mean, it's just kind of how things work, I guess, in, in 2019. I want to know how, like, Embiid has these very specific rivalries, and I need to know yeah. how they have, like, Drummond. Like, I right. need to know how these things come up. Because it's not like he's out for every center in the league. You know, it's not like Embiid's out here trying to kill Brooke Lopez yeah. and he's, like, talking smack to him. I think it's guys he views as as weak, right? I mean, Drummond and Towns kind of, yeah, kind of share that common, like, yeah, the numbers are good, but they haven't really done anything yet. I don't know. And, and, and Embiid himself always maintains that he doesn't start anything. You know, somebody else has to start it. So, I mean, who knows if that's actually true, but it's something clearly sparked this. I mean, right. I think it was back-to-back. <clears throat> Embiid got a bucket on Towns, and then Embiid went and doubled Towns and caused a turnover. And then, you know, they started fighting on the other side of the court while the action was <laughs> going on at the Sixers basket. Um, no, I mean, this was, we're what, oh, nine, game, or nine days into the NBA season, and we already have one of the, the more memorable dust-ups in years. So, I mean, in the long term, I don't, I don't think this really changes much. I mean, Philadelphia can probably coast without Embiid for a few games. If they're without Simmons and Embiid, you know, then maybe they run into some trouble. But I, I don't think we're looking at, like, a 20-game suspension for either of these guys. No, I mean, the NBA and I think a lot of leagues are, they'll they'll punish a lot harder if someone actually gets hurt. If right. no one gets hurt, they're just going to kind of pretend that it was not as bad as it theoretically it, it does always seem like punches are or even attempted punches are more severe than like you know you see guys like this was more of just like a slow high school wrestling match you know <laughs> where they were kind of locked together and just like tipped over onto the floor whereas like it seems more severe like Serge Ibaka is the guy who comes to mind has had a couple of those like big time Swings. right hooks that have not, thankfully not connected right. but he's been suspended multiple games for just the intent and then you wonder you know if he had connected and you know if somebody had suffered a severe concussion um yeah i I think the nba in some ways does yeah it does kind of punish the result as opposed to to you know the intent here so i'm I'm not expecting a big time suspension probably nothing that affects the landscape of fantasy in the long term i mean next couple of weeks if you're if you're a talents or an embiid owner you're maybe hurt but um yeah i I don't think any long-term effects fantasy basketball fans the nba regular season is in full swing and fanduel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for fanduel has something for everyone tons of different contests and formats to choose from and these contests start at just 25 cents per entry all you have to do is pick a contest choose your team and enjoy watching your results in real time you can play against your friends for bragging rights or you can play against the public for millions of dollars in cash prizes to take advantage of our special offer for new fanduel users sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw that's fanduel.com 
slash RW. You'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription with that first deposit on FanDuel. That'll get you access to our DFS lineup optimizers, premium articles, draft software, everything you need to win your leagues this season. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW, void where prohibited. On the other hand, in the late game last night, the Warriors got absolutely blitzed by Phoenix. This is the second time that they've trailed by I think 26 points or more at the end of the first quarter this year they got murdered by Oklahoma City on Sunday this was basically the exact same story um, I think it was yeah. 41 to 14 at the, something at the end like of the that. first I saw some people tweet the box score yeah and nothing it, it really never got closer I was I was watching this game along with the World Series last night and Golden State every time I felt like every time I glanced at, at the TV Golden State was missing a wide open three or you know Kelly Oubre was just getting to the rim with no resistance whatsoever <laughs> And then on top of all that, I mean, it, it was obviously a terrible night for, for Golden State. You lose Steph Curry. He gets landed on awkwardly by Aaron Baines right on his left wrist. Um, I thought he also took a shot to the ribs, too. It looked like he was, he was kind of grabbing his ribs at first. But then it, it turns out um, broken left wrist or left hand. What is the official diagnosis? Hand. Left hand. Um, I mean, it, it, tough to say, you know, just, just seeing it happen. But he didn't appear to be in like excruciating pain. I think if there's one positive to take away, we don't we don't know if he's going to get surgery yet. I think that's also a positive as far as these things go. Um, so the the best case scenario at this point is he probably just gets a splint and he's out like four or five weeks. Yeah, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, but that should be enough to completely take the Warriors out of the playoff picture if they weren't before. I mean, I, you're right. I think at halftime of this game, I was ready to take them out of the playoff picture. It's been yeah, it's it's been weird so far. I think it became like very obvious with the first couple games that the Warriors were not were just not who I, I think the depth people understood the depth was bad, but they thought that you know Draymond and Curry and D'Angelo Russell could really make it work. It's not going to defenses no. some of the worst we've ever seen, um, and. They're giving up. I I think they have the worst defense in the league. I would surprise me if yes. they didn't. Yeah, they, they have the worst defense ever in terms of defensive rating. If this were to hold up over the course of a season, yeah, it's 118 defensive rating. The record is... was set last year by the Cavs for the record. So, oh my God, I would say there's a pretty good chance that they break that going forward. I mean, not that Steph was really helping out a ton on the defensive end, but I mean, we were saying earlier, I I, I could see them resting Draymond periodically now. I mean, I, having a guy like Draymond out on the floor with a bunch of you know half g league guys draymond can't really be draymond in that setting like part of what makes him so good is being able to play in his role with great players around him and that's not really to take anything away from draymond but he just he's not the same guy when steph and clay and you know sometimes kevin durant are out there with him and like he's you know he had a triple double a couple nights ago against against new orleans that looked like maybe a turnaround type of game for golden state but I mean, one, to start out this way against the Suns, and two, to, to lose Curry. I just, I think at some point we might just see this team, you know, kind of reverse course and just start focusing on, on getting the best pick that they can and then kind of rebooting with a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, a healthy Draymond, and then, you know, maybe a top five or a top three pick next year. Right. And I, I mean, I don't know if they necessarily have to rest like Draymond. I mean, it's not like a team of D'Angelo Russell and Draymond and a bunch of like, theoretical g leaguers are winning you games it's not like you're worried like oh you oh, know no. what if you know what if the, what if this team wins a game they're not supposed to against i mean who i don't even know who's bagging this league anymore because some like you know the wizards are apparently one of the best teams 
No, I mean, I guess I meant more like preserving Draymond. Like, don't. Oh, sure. Like, you're not throwing him out there 35 minutes a night just no, to get yeah. spanked by 25 points. For sure. You know? I mean, yeah, he, they can hopefully pull him in the middle of third quarters now. Yeah, I mean, I, you're obviously not just going to sit him out the rest of the year, but it's, it's a weird spot to be in. You know, it's something that they've you know really never had to deal with, and a lot of times, you know, when it's these really bad teams that it looks like the Warriors are kind of heading in that direction, it's guys, you know, like look at Memphis. Like you, you don't have any problem, even though they might win 25 games. Like you want Jaron Jackson and John Moran out there yes. 30 plus minutes a night. I don't, I don't know if you can say the same thing about a 30 plus year old Draymond Green. So looking at the Warriors schedule going forward. I count like maybe one or two games that they'll be that you could say like are, are pretty winnable. One of those is of Saturday year. against Charlotte. I mean, their their, their upcoming schedule is I'm not going to say home or away, but these are the teams uh, coming up: Spurs tomorrow, Hornets Saturday, starting next week, Portland, Houston, Minnesota, OKC, Utah, the Lakers, Boston, New Orleans, Memphis, Dallas, Utah, uh, OKC, Chicago and Miami to close out the month of November. Three wins would be nice, I think. So those three wins being like maybe you catch OKC again? I was going to say Grizzlies, Hornets, Bulls were the ones that stood out to me as possible wins. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you're you're probably going to get one more. I mean, you might. I don't know. I don't know, but I, you also might lose. Like, those are 50-50 at best, right? I mean, I think so. It's not like the Grizzlies are – I mean, they're bad, but – this version of the Warriors, I would argue, is just as bad. We'll do a guess the lines for uh, Hornets, Man. Warriors. They're at the Grizzlies, too. Oh. oh, boy. You don't just go win at, was it FedEx Forum? Grizzlies minus two? Yeah, I think it I is. Yeah, I don't know. Forum. Yeah, I mean, I. it's tough. It's just a, we knew the Warriors were going to struggle. I think that was, that was probably clear in August. It became even more clear at the end of week one. But I, I think there was still this hope that they could figure things out. I mean, Steph had played what four games with D'Angelo Russell. Like it was, yeah. in some ways, it was going to get better. You know, they weren't just going to get they weren't going to be down by twenty five at the end of every first quarter. But now you, you're kind of setting yourself back. I mean, Steph is going to be back. You know, maybe in December or January. But I mean, like you like you said, I mean, what what is the best case? You go like two and fifteen over your next seventeen games, right? I think this was a team that were they twelve to one to win the title. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that was the expected return of Clay at some point. You know, if they make the playoffs, they're just as dangerous as anybody type sure. of thing. But yeah, I would I would hope not too many people place that bet. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, how many teams are, you know, 12 to 1 to win the title and then are this bad before like a major injury even? Like before the Steph injury is very right. obvious. That was just completely off the table. Yep. Um, I can't. I mean, I can't. They're think plus 16,000 uh, 16, now to win the title so they have the same same odds as the orlando magic getting tickets online can be far too complicated with hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability it's hard to know who to trust that is why SeatGeek is the way to go SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay there's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I just used SeatGeek earlier this year, twice actually, to get tickets to Green Bay Packers games. No issues either way. Just downloaded the tickets, had them right on my phone, scanned them, boom, I was in. Super, super easy. That's how it works with SeatGeek. And best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONBA, R-O-T-O-N-B-A. 
Again, that promo code is ROTOMBA for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Um, I think this probably knocks Steph out of MVP consideration. Yes. The odds have already been updated, of course. He's now at plus 5,000, which is still pretty generous, honestly. Um, I think he was, was he number three or four? He was in odds three, I believe. I think it was Giannis. Giannis. Yeah, he might have been two on some sites too. Um, but that's, I mean, completely out of the door. I mean, I think he needed to probably average low to mid thirties in scoring. Oh, and the Warriors, sure. yeah. the Warriors needed to win like at least forty-five games, and yes. both of those are, are probably now out the window. Yeah, I mean, I was I was saying before the season, I thought a good hedge would be like Warriors under forty-eight, but also Steph to win MVP because if they if they go over forty-eight, good yes. chance he wins MVP at plus five hundred, but. Yeah, I think at this point, the team is so bad, and I, or we can't be confident he's going to play every game, even when he does return. Is he ever? Is he going to average even 30 minutes a game once he's back? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, like a, it's going to be the same kind of question that, we're, that we just talked about with Draymond. You know, and a lot of it, I think, will depend on how they are able to do without him. Like, if, if they are able to, you know, pull together and somehow go 500 while Steph is out, you know, maybe... Maybe they're kind of right there, and some of these other teams in the West keep beating each other up. Right. Um, it's going to depend on yeah where you know where he's at health wise, how much time he misses, and then you know really where they are in the standings when he's back. Um, we talked about MVP you know throughout the preseason and, and even into the the beginning of last week, but based on what we've seen, you know through four or five games for most teams, are there, is there anybody who you feel better, worse about, um, whether it be for MVP or any of the other bets? Um. You know, a Kawhi is interesting at plus eight hundred. Uh, just how well, uh, you know, other than losing to the Suns, that the Clippers have looked. Although apparently the Suns are a top, yeah, that's, two a, that's team a good loss. on the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, assuming he can play over seventy games, and but we don't, we still don't know. Um, and then Anthony Davis has got his odds moved up to plus four ninety, um, and obviously that's going to be fueled a lot by the the forty twenty game against the Grizzlies. That was the strangest forty twenty game I've ever seen. By the way, I don't know. I don't know if it how, was how I much you were it. able to watch that. It was like yeah. a. It didn't feel like he had forty. It felt like he was like constantly falling over. Right. Um, like not an efficient night by any means. A lot of the rebounds were just like taps around the basket. But I mean, still impressive to do it in three quarters for sure. Um, other than that, you know, I don't know. Yoke's just kind of off to a slow start. I don't really think LeBron's winning it based on the effort I've seen him put in. I really enjoyed him playing in the fourth quarter of that Grizzlies game just to try to pad some stats. Yep. He, he needed would. it too. He was this is the second straight game where he just was super passive in the first half. Yeah, it was um honestly really funny to watch. I'm uh, with you on Kawhi, by the way. I think that's sure. a great that's a great call. James mentioned that on the pod yesterday too. I I don't I mean, you and I talked about this throughout the offseason that we didn't think he was going to rest that much. And for some reason, I don't I don't know why I didn't think that would translate to mvp and i mean he looked a little bit shaky in their their first loss um a, a few days ago and obviously didn't play in, the, in their latest loss but i mean against the lakers he was the best player on the floor i'm, I'm the ultimate lebron defender but i mean Kawhi was completely oh, he, was lethal. Dominant, yeah. he was dominant and the, and the clippers look like the best team in the league when he's out there and that was without paul george right um you know it's, i guess it's a little concerning that he has already sat out one game to rest but it is a back-to-back um you know it's it's early on you can't really fault the clippers for that but if he ends up playing 70 to 73 games i think that's more than enough as long as the clippers are you know kind of clearly reasserting themselves as as the number one team in the west I, I think there's a pretty good chance that 
if Houston falters, um, I think Harden's numbers are going to be quite a bit better. We'll, we'll get to him in a second. But I, th- I think if the Clippers win 10 more games in Houston, that might kind of break the tie in favor of Kawhi. Harden's numbers are going to be better because every game they play is going to combine for 280 points Dude. now. What Would you take over under three and a half games this year that Harden scores 50 and Russ has a triple-double? Over under three? He's already got They already did it once last year. did night. it once? I think it might go over. Right. I mean, Russ, like, I don't know which bet, which of those sides do you feel less confident about that, that Harden will have at least four 50 point games or that, because <laughs> yeah, Russ is just as likely to get, like, he's 50 50 to get a triple double basically any night. You know, so, so I Harden, guess it has to be Harden. Right? If Harden has six 50 point games, chances are, yeah. you know, <laughs> Russ has had at least three triple doubles in that span. Um, but yeah, we, let's, let's dive into that game. We'll get back to some bets in a little bit. 159, 158, you know, one I, of the uh, the most the craziest non overtime game I think I can remember in a while. I famously uh, took the under on this game. Did uh, one of my better call. Um, no, I. It was, I don't it was think. a total like four hundred. <laughs> yeah, I took uh, under four seventy five. Um, yeah, this was super weird. I tweeted out that the Wizards became the fir- basically the first team since the the stat was tracked to shoot seventy five percent true shooting and lose a game. Yeah. Um, just, just wild stat in just insane box score i got home from ken you know ken kreitz is in town and we were out uh happy hour and i went back to my apartment was looking at scores and was like are you serious with this game so i flipped it on watched it last yeah. i watched the fourth quarter it was completely like no one could stop each other it was turnstiles yeah. i think we could retroactively award jeff bizdelic coach of the year uh for his work on defense with yes. the rockets over the past couple of years I mean, this is insane. This is like the Mike D'Antoni. This is very on brand for the Rockets. You the know, like, Rockets' defensive rating in this game was one forty four. Yeah, I, the, I, I mean, I think this is just great for them. Like, this is this is who they are. They're gonna give up one hundred and fifty points. Hargan's gonna put up sixty. Russ is gonna have a minus net rating, but still yep. get his triple double. Um, and they're gonna barely beat a bad team. Um, Russ had a huge second half was terrible in the first half of this game it was kind of part of the reason that they ultimately fell behind but i mean they put up 81 points in the second half that's insane they're they're scoring by quarter when 35 41 35 48 i mean the rockets just like don't look especially good right now i mean they're no they don't i mean they're three and one but they have the second worst defense in the league yeah uh, obviously last night you know it's not going to do them any favors they're probably going to get stuck with a really bad defensive rating tag because of right. that but i don't yeah. think that's it's going to take a while i think for that to kind of phase it, out but i mean this is a team i i know they have the reputation of being this high scoring team and, and for good reason but last year they were right in the middle of the pack defensively the year before that they were top six in the league in terms of defensive rating like they they have been a very good defensive team in the past but like you said it, it does seem like this might be the year where they just go like full run and gun it really might be. I mean, that's. I think that's why they wanted to. Or the the argument for why this might work with Westbrook is that like he can handle all the full court transition situations yep. and you know save Harden for all the half court stuff. But I mean, Harden, you know, I guess I guess the saving grace for the Rockets might be Harden's only shooting thirty eight percent from the field. That's going to increase. He's shooting twenty two percent from three on thirteen attempts a game. He, I want to say last night, going into last night, he was like five of thirty two. It's wild from three. He Eric really Gordon, hasn't shot the ball well. Yeah, Eric Gordon's also shooting like really bad. So yeah. I, you know, they haven't looked good, but also their offense isn't clicking right. the way that it should. Russ is also either just not taking threes, or when he is taking them, they're not going in. So that's that's also been kind of a side story. So I, I think in some ways they're lucky to be three and one very easily could yes. be four no i mean they probably should have beat the bucks on opening night um 
and they, they have room to grow. I mean, the shooting's going to come around for sure for guys like Harden and Gordon. Westbrook, you know, is kind of a will see at best, but when you're getting, you know, four made threes out of guys like Daniel House, you know, PJ Tucker had been shooting it well. Um, they've they've kind of been able to tread water there. These these are some of the numbers that you alluded to with the the true shooting. These are some of the numbers for the losing team last night. 63% field goal percentage. 56% from 3, 20 of 36, 24 of 29 at the line, 31 assists on 57 makes, and that team lost the game. Unbelievable. Do you uh do you think the Wizards might be they might be kind of competitive this year or do you think this is all smoke and mirrors because Beal's only shooting 40 percent from the field and they that would are have been much worse going to last night too yeah and they are staying competitive um their net rating I mean they're basically like an even team I think yeah. right now in terms of net rating I I'm not ready to put them in that category I think they have some major weaknesses. Um, the point guard position being number one. Right. You know, I, I, at some point, I mean, Isaiah Thomas has outplayed Ish Smith so far, and I don't know if that's really a good thing for this team in the long term. He had he had seventeen and ten last night. They did get Troy Brown back. I think that's fairly big. You know, I think eventually he ends up starting at the three instead of Isaac Bonga, who's given them almost nothing on the offensive end. But Thomas Bryan being really good, which is you know not a huge surprise. Brad Beal being awesome, not a surprise. Rui Hachimura, if he's able to be a consistent, I mean, he was 23 points, three of three from three last night, nine of 15 overall. If he ends up just being like a really solid, like NBA role player right away as a rookie, like that, that does change things for me. But you look at the bench, like, I mean, the guys who played last night off the bench were Mo Wagner, Davis Bertans, Isaiah, and Troy Brown. So eventually you're flopping, you know, you're flip flopping Brown and Bonga. Like they just, they don't have any depth um jordan mccray is kind of like the other guy they're waiting to get back right. which is not a great sign um i think it's a nice start for them i mean they're I, I will say i'm more confident that the suns will be like a consistently okay team than i am that the wizards will be 100 percent. even though yeah. the, the competition level like the wizards could maybe finish with a better record than the suns because of who they're playing eastern conference but like i think the Suns' start is more like encouraging and like for real than the wizards i agree with that um all right elsewhere in the league last night we we found out today, actually, just just before we hopped in here, that Miles Turner is now week to week with an injury. Uh, not not the greatest sign. I mean, they're being intentionally vague, but week to week is considerably different than day to day. That means a month in my head. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. You don't you don't you don't even throw the term week out there unless you're talking like minimum three four games. Right, and this is huge for them because they haven't looked good at all. Um, you know, I think we kind of are realizing now, you know, how much how bad their bench is, and. Bad it's insane how much they're i mean shout out to malcolm brogdon for like exceeding all expectations yep i think that even probably the pacers had for him um you know i was looking at some stuff you know for the for the site like what happens when turner is off the court brogdon's got like a 32 percent usage like he is uh, he's going to just carry this team even more if it's possible he's going to be an all-star um it's yeah i don't know i they're they're in a they're in some trouble with this injury because he's also their their anchor defensively. Yep. Um, like I'm excited to see some Goga, but at the same time, like this is this is a bad scenario for them, and they could miss the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's it's not great, but I think in some ways, you know, now you get you you have more of a true lineup. You know, you can move Sabonis back up to center. You know, we're going to see some right. Goga, like you said. You can play a little bit smaller. You can surround Brogdon with another shooter um you know i mean not that turner doesn't space the floor but he's kind of been stagnant in that area and hasn't really improved as a three-point shooter it's just kind of always been 
a little bit above average but yeah i mean they, it's for a team that's already thin already without oladipo it's not ideal i mean they, they still were able to win last night i mean turner turner only played like 10 minutes in that game and they beat brooklyn who is very quietly now one and three yeah the this the brooklyn thing is a little odd right now i mean they definitely the supporting cast around uh irving is worse than it was last year for like d'angelo russell um right so that should not be entirely unexpected that they're knocking off to a great start but this also is like reaffirming all the Kyrie, all the people who don't think Kyrie is actually that good mm-hmm. or that like he, you know, his whether it's a team chemistry thing, whether it's his, you know, defense not living up to his offense. You know, I mean, before LeBron came back to Cleveland, I mean, it's not like Irving was leading teams to wins or anything like that. So that's exactly what I told yeah, James I, yesterday was I mean, Kyrie has obviously grown as a player since 2013, but yeah. There is no evidence to suggest that when he's not surrounded by one LeBron James or two, a really strong infrastructure in Boston, that he can just operate as the guy and it doesn't matter who's around him. There are very few players in the league capable of doing that and you know, even fewer point guards, I think. And you know, he's kind of found that out the hard way. I mean, it, to be fair, they have lost two games by one point. One of them on opening night, they should have won if Jared Allen just hits one free throw. They beat Minnesota. Um, they had the kind of fluky game against Memphis with John Morant going off, but I mean, a loss to a Pacers team that had looked really bad um, and, a, a, you know, a convincing loss last night. I think um, maybe not time to sound the alarm bells, but, you know, with with as solid as the league has looked, I think, top to bottom, that's maybe been one of the biggest takeaways is that the teams that are winless or have one win are not necessarily the teams we thought would, you know, have one win. And, and some of the teams that have two or three wins are not the teams that we thought would have two or three. Right. So, like, some of those, like, gimme wins that you can look at on the schedule, like Brooklyn plays Phoenix, I think, two or three games from now. A week ago, you would look at that and say, oh, that's an automatic win. I don't know that that's really the case anymore for for a team like Brooklyn that's already struggling. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I mean, this is, I think, just a product of all the player movement in the offseason. There's more parity than ever before. I think that's like really being mm-hmm. um, on display this early in the year with, you know, we've been doing a lot more gambling articles and looking at spreads. And it's just like, it, it seems like there's been a lot of teams that just are com- like easily covering yeah. like the like the wizards for example or the suns just keep covering and it's teams that we all expected to be bad that are actually more competitive than we thought mm-hmm. um and yeah i mean I, I would rather have this than you know the the warriors thing that we've been dealing with the past you know five yeah. years essentially and even before that the heat were in that position not quite right. as drastically i mean it wasn't it wasn't a given with miami like it was with with golden state but it, it really is kind of jarring it's been so long since there hasn't been like this one prohibitive favorite and you know I, I i still would side with the clippers but it's by no means the lock of all locks that it had been you know if golden state stays healthy um i want to ask you about the bucks did you watch Bucks celtics last night i had, i did watch Bucks celtics i i don't know man <laughs> the bucks <laughs> the bucks had very few games like that last year if any I'll, I'll say that um you know a lot of it was just a really really cold third quarter and second half overall i, I I don't even know if they hit a single three in the second half. It certainly didn't seem that way. Um, but it's it's especially kind of a slap in the face, I think, to see Eric Bledsoe, one, not closing games, the, the man that you're paying to be your starting point guard, two, averaging 10 points per game on 36% shooting, 20% from three, 54% at the line, turning it over a ton. Um, meanwhile, Malcolm Brogdon is averaging like 20 and 12 and looking like a far superior player yeah. for virtually the same price. Uh Yes. I mean, even just on this team, you watch if you if you watch these games and it's reflected like in the minutes like George Hill 
definitely outplaying Bledsoe. And yeah. It's not really close. Not even close. You feel, you feel Hill on the court more than you do Bledsoe. And maybe that's a product of Bledsoe playing more with like Giannis and Middleton, but I don't know. It's, you know, I understand wanting or thinking that you can just run this offense through Giannis and go five out and that it doesn't really matter that much who's around them or who's around him as long as they're mm-hmm. capable three-point shooters and good defenders, like the LeBron method. like Right. Or, you know, like, hey, let's just throw three and D guys around and see what happens. But that's also going to cause a lot of, like, potential meltdowns if guys aren't hitting threes yes. and they there's no other, like, second ball handler who you can, you know, rely upon. Like, Bledsoe is... He's good at getting into the lane and slipping past guys, but he's not like he's not a layup artist or anything like that. Like he usually passes out of those situations. Middleton gets blocked. Middleton's a post up guy from like fifteen feet shooting mid rangers. Like they're not really playmakers. And so, you know, the Bucks definitely feel like they need a second guy. Um, especially when you see uh, you know, guys of Giannis's caliber or even worse paired up with someone else and that's working yep. out fine. Like you see Doncic and Porzingis, like that's that's kind of what you are what seems like you need to have I, I i you just there's no precedent in the current nba for a team with a guy like chris middleton as your second best player to win a title it doesn't matter who the first guy is like it just the only team that you can point to is is 2011 dallas and i would argue that that was a different nba era it 100 percent was if you like watch those finals games it's not the same basketball it's and it's n- not even stars close. were not clustered in the way no. that they are now this Bucks team is not going to go beat the Clippers in the finals. I mean, I asked you the same question a couple weeks ago. Like, how many guys on the Sixers would you rather have than Middleton and Bledsoe? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about, like, I... Yeah, the, 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 it's I, not good. It was surprising that the 76ers had worse odds than the Bucks to win the title. Yeah. Um, because the the talent... I mean, I understand Giannis is getting all the benefit of the doubt, and the Bucks get the benefit of the doubt because... And they've earned that. They've earned it because they, they had the best record in the league. Yeah. But it is it is concerning. Especially, I mean, the, the loss to the Heat... I mean, basically the, you know, I the only game I missed was the Cleveland game, which yeah, like which, that's the fine one to miss, that right? Went, yeah, right. And that one about as you'd think. I mean, I, I know some people would say, you know, Toronto, you know, maybe didn't have like that super superstar number two. I, I think Pascal Siakam is way better, and we're seeing that now. He's way better than Chris Middleton or Eric yes. Bledsoe. I don't think that's close. And they had Lowry, right? Lowry's and than Lowry is at worst, you know, on his worst night is like an average night for Bledsoe. You know, what I'm saying yeah. like it's in Toronto. I know has the depth. Milwaukee has great depth two through eight that's important but i think at some point we've just seen it over and over you can even the best players in the game struggle to win finals when they have an all-star who's much better than either of those two guys next to them right the the bench of the bench of like west matthews george hill congaton early silva corver that's the bench of a team with two stars on it yes or three not one Right. Uh, so that's I think that's where some of the issues are stemming is that the Bucks yeah. have the bench of a team that has two stars instead of one. Right. I think the the four through ten guys are not the problem at all. I, I think they have very good depth throughout the roster. Um, you know, we've seen some other teams that have that have been star heavy that have the, the the bench has kind of been their undoing. You know, when you're if somebody gets hurt and you're all of a sudden you know throwing out Joel Anthony for twenty minutes a night, you're in real trouble. Like the Bucks don't have that problem, but with the way that these contracts line up with the way that some of these guys have played, like I, they're very limited, I think in terms of what they can do their path to getting a second star. They're just, you know, there aren't that many guys available, especially with Beal, you know, re-upping in Washington. There's just, it's really tough to see a path to improvement. It's still early. You know, I, I still think this team is going to be one or two in the East. Um, but it, it's been a, a less than encouraging start. I, I think for those who thought this would just be an easy 65 win season. Yeah, I agree. I get big time 2009 Cavs vibes where it was LeBron <laughs> averaging 37 
eight and a half assists, one and a half steals, one block. And then after that, it was, you know, Mo Williams and Anton Jameson, each averaging 16 a game. Yeah, I mean, Giannis right now for 36 minutes is averaging like 27, uh, 15, 9, and three and a half steals and blocks. And he's fouled out of two games, and he's had to kind of play with that in the back of his head. I think that was last night for sure. When you know, Marcus Smart is out there for one reason, and it's to antagonize and draw charges on Giannis. And I think Giannis knows that and can't really be quite as comfortable doing what he wants to do. And and that's been a big factor so far. Certainly, it was probably the main factor in the loss to Miami was Giannis wasn't out there for the end of that game for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the Bucks. You know, if you're if you're John Horse, like this has gone pretty badly so far in terms of how you you know you really hoped Bledsoe would come back strong and and kind of use these last couple of years as motivation and to me it just seems like he's playing he's playing scared like he just you know kind of almost playing not to lose individually if that's possible like just hasn't been as aggressive <laughs> yeah I know um, and he was great during the regular season last year that's that's what people forget I think he was so bad in the playoffs that you know it's easy to forget like he had a legitimate all-star case you know if one or two people had gotten hurt in the east he was probably right there um but i mean so far it's you know, i think there's have seen a lot of like try to trade bledsoe takes on twitter who are you trading for i mean james brought up evan fournier like that's the caliber <laughs> of player you're getting back for this guy right now based on how he's for playing sure. and based on the contract he you're right it feels like he's playing like he already went zero for five before the game starts yes like, where he's like ah uh, you know i'll let my other you know he's passing up yeah you know, he just doesn't want to miss <laughs> shots i feel like yeah it's, he's like very aware i think of the perception yeah around him and is kind of scared to to worsen that so yeah, not not great uh, so far for the Milwaukee Bucks, but but like I said, I think we we both think that they'll uh, eventually kind of right the ship at least in the regular season. Let's talk real quickly before we have to get out of here about Rookie of the Year. So there is okay. there's a prop out there, um, Rookie of the Year Zion versus the field, which I thought was was interesting um, on the FanDuel sportsbook. Yeah, uh, Zion is still the favorite for Rookie of the Year. He's at plus one eighty. He was the heavy favorite before that. Definitely minus money. Um, John Morant plus two seventy five, Barrett plus four fifty, Rui up to plus nine hundred, Tyler Hero at plus one thousand, and Michael Porter Jr., who was yet to play a single second in the NBA, is still at plus fourteen hundred. Oh, you never know. Will Barton's questionable tonight. <laughs> this um, might be the night. <laughs> Hero's actually looked like really good. Uh, it's, yeah. it's very surprising. Um, not that like I thought he was going to be a bust or anything. But I was not expecting him to actually come out and average like 16 a game on good shooting that seems sustainable and and everything like that. I don't I don't know. That's a, you know whether it's Zion or the field is is tough because the, the real quickly the numbers on that are Zion plus 180, the field uh, minus 230. I think that's just a bet on is Zion gonna play 50 plus right. games? If he's if he's healthy for 50 plus games, he's winning it. I agree. I think it's all about health at this point. And that's it's going to be close because even if he doesn't suffer another injury the rest of the way, I might be can't cautious. imagine, yeah, back-to-backs, you know, three three games and four nights, that type of thing. I, You would think, you know, they'll be as cautious as possible. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not super confident that he's just going to be, like this is going to be a one-time thing and he's just good to go the rest of the way. Right. The question, I guess, is, you know, if you're not, if you're looking away from the field, like I, I like the field, I guess, in that bet, just kind of hedging on Zion's health, but if you had to bet on another player, who would it be right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, RJ Barrett has, you know, he's been putting up numbers, which is always important. I mean, he's averaging 18 a game uh, on 48% shooting. I mean, I think we discussed in a pot. I mean, we talked about this before, but usually the rookie of the year almost always averages over 15 points a game. Yep. It's more than anything. It's the points. You have to be so 
good. You have to be almost elite immediately at something mm-hmm. else. So I think Barrett has a really good chance. I think it's basically just between Barrett and Morant right now. Yep. Um, and Morant has looked good at points. Um, and, you know, he's averaging... But the problem is a he's a one to one assist to turnover ratio, and I don't think I don't think people care about that for rookie of the year. For rookie of the year, I mean they probably not. Um, But you know I think people expected him to come in and be a better passer than score, and right now it's looking like the opposite. True. Uh, But I think I think right now maybe Barrett. I just I don't have a good feel for the the Jaw versus RJ debate right now. So far, Barrett's been super efficient, way more efficient than we thought. Um, rebounding sure. has been there. Like he's going to. I think if you add up points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, Barrett's going to be the overall leader in, in the non-Zion category yeah, for those. Just because he, he rebounds at a crazy rate for a guy who's basically playing point guard. Um, but I think Morant has is going to have like the highlight plays. He's going to have the memorable games. He already has one against Brooklyn. Right. Um, I think he now becomes kind of the clubhouse leader. It's it's his to lose, assuming Zion doesn't play enough games. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a pretty clear top three: Zion, Morant, Barrett. Even with Zion not playing yet, and then you kind of get into tier two: Rui, Hero, um, even Kobe White can probably be thrown in there. Guys who've looked really good so far, but probably need a little bit of help in terms of an injury or a performance reduction from those top three guys to to really make a run at it. Kobe White would be sneaky. I mean, if if you know if Sadoransky goes down with an injury or something like that. Kobe White could definitely sneak mm-hmm. into a role where because he's at a couple games where it's like fifteen seven. He might just take over. I mean, the Bulls look terrible. Like there's a yeah, they, they look real bad. If they end up if they start like two and ten, like at what point do you just turn it over to him? Yeah, I mean, one of my one of my like you know best bets the other night was like Bulls minus one at Cleveland. I'm like, there's no way the Bulls are this bad. Like this is the they perfect got, point for that positive bad? regression. No, I think yeah, this has finally convinced me. Like yep. they, I don't know how they're this bad, but they are. Yeah. All right, college football guys are beating down the door to the studio here, so we got to wrap this up. But it should be a fun night. Three games on the slate tonight, and then you know the usual heavy Friday Saturday slate. We will be back next week.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.